Hi everyone, we're in America, just finishing our American tour. We've been to three states, we've got one final conference. We managed to catch up with Masaki in LA, as well as Jeff Kagzor. With Masaki, he taught us how you can choose energy tools that best suit yourself. And also, he explained to us the function of chi through your body the energy flow. And Jeff taught us a lot about crystals and their functions that they have. So watch these videos and learn. Hi, I'm John. We're now in lovely LA and I've got my lovely friend in front of me now, Masaki. He's the expert on energy tools and several other things as well. But we're focusing on energy tools at the moment. Now, Masaki, you've got a way of determining which tools are good for a person. If I was to wear something as a pendant, you can determine whether the pendant is good for you. Is that correct? Right. Well, uh, there's different tests that you can use when you're testing an energy tool, such as, a, say, like a tensor ring pendant. Out of the way. So, this is a common uh, energy pendant. This is just made out of copper called a tensor ring. So, if you were to test this, you could use a mus muscle test using your arm, and you could have somebody test how strong the arm is when you're holding the pendant and when you're not holding it, with and without. And basically, uh, to my knowledge, this really started with holistic practitioners and herbalists so say uh, they wanted to give a client uh, some herbs so they would put a vial or a bottle of the herb in their hand and then if it's basically bump, bumps your energetic field up the arm being tested will be harder to push down and if something was bad for you say you had some fruit with a pesticide or a GMO and you put it in somebody's arm, it actually lowers your vibration. So you get weaker and the arm, you'll, it'll be weaker. It'll be difficult for the person to keep up. So why don't you do a demonstration? You, you show me what to do. Okay. And so John, you're put out your dominant arm. I'm right-handed. So I'll put my right okay. arm out. So he's being tested. So we lightly put our palm right on the testes hand. And you just push down a few times to get a baseline of how much resistance the arm has. Okay, so two, three. So I've got a sense of how much he's resistant. It's not like you're trying to force it down and the testes is trying to stay like this. You just want to get a baseline. Keep it firm, but, you know, just test how much they're resisting. So now we, this is a tensor ring pendant. Okay, so... Hold this. I hold this against yeah. my chest in the center. There. If it was a pyramid, you could hold it like this, but since it's a pendant, so like that. Okay. Okay. So try it again. <clears throat> so it's a lot. It's a lot harder to push John's arm down. So that means it's strong. And if you were to like, if if we have another one here, if we were to like double it up, it would probably be even harder. Okay. 
okay? So <laughs> you don't need to push down that hard, but I'm just giving a demonstration. And usually the person being tested, they won't feel it as much. Uh, it's the me, person testing it, you know, you really can tell a difference. To me, it's the same pressure. I don't feel any uh -huh. difference yeah. in Saki with the amount of force that you're pushing down. I can't feel yeah. it's different. So it's, it's, it's very yeah. interesting how you can detect that. Well, a lot of the uh, people in sports, they, they're using the cutting edge, you know, scalar pendants and so forth. It's really interesting because when big money is involved or when you're dealing with like competition like sports, where you see, like, say, the PEMF coils, all these kinds of things that, like, Spooky is very familiar with. You see it in veterinary medicine and sports medicine, but never in the conventional hospital. <laughs> <laughs> when athletes and, you know, horses are involved, they use a top-notch technology. So We've got another item I want to test. This is a, another, this is a Masaki special. It's, um, could you describe this pendant? Oh, this, well, uh, this I pyramid? mean, this, uh, it's just a small pyramid. So it's sort of like, this is, you know, I'm most well known for the orgone or so-called organite pyramids. The, it, really, it really benefits from the amount of material used. So this is like relatively small. So I'm not expecting it to test that strong, but we haven't tested it. No. So we can we can try it out. Okay, so let's first let's do it without. Okay? The baseline, yes. Yeah, okay. So John puts his dominant arm out. He's keeping it straight, and I'm just pushing down a few times. So I'm not like bouncing it up and down. Put the hand lightly here on the wrist and push down a couple times. Okay. And hold it. Okay. Oh, it is stronger. How about that? <laughs> so, well, to me, I'm, I, was, I'm I was a little worried it wasn't going to test strong, but it yeah, did test strong. yeah, we didn't we didn't try this before recording, but I didn't yeah. feel any difference in the amount that you're pushing down. There was so a difference. I mean, you could you could try it on me. Do I have anything? Else? I think I have. Okay, I have this. So uh, okay. we could try a pendant, and then we could try the pyramid. Okay, so th this is my this is my dominant arm. Okay. Okay, yes. so now try it with the tensor ring pendant. Okay. All right. Wow. Wow. That's the difference between like rubber rubber and steel. There's this okay. no So then uh you could try it again with nothing. It's gone it's gone soft like rubber again. Okay, and then a relatively small pyramid, so we'll see what John finds. Oh, that is very strong for something so small. It's yeah. making a big difference. And was was the the pendant stronger or the pyramid? The pendant was stronger. The pendant was stronger because mm. you know, I was really dubious if these tensor ring pendants worked because basically it has pyramid energy. It has a high scalar energy, mm. but uh, it's very strong. And again, this is a relatively small pyramid. It's still red. It's still got a positive response, but the pendant was stronger. So um, the tensor rings. These really came about in the 90s, in modern times. There was a man, uh, Slim Sperling, he was an American, and he started using uh, basically copper wire. And if you have a length of wire and you cut it to a certain length, the wire will vibrate just like a tuning fork. So the, length, the key is the length it's cut to. So 
if you use the cubits, the sacred cubits, the measuring foot that they used to use in, say, megalithic structures, Giza pyramid, this is based on the royal Egyptian cubit, uh, also called the sacred cubit. So these, this is 144 megahertz, that's what they say, the royal Egyptian cubit. So if you have it to a full cubit, half cubit, quarter cubit, eighth cubit, if you use certain divisions, it'll keep that vibration. If you have that length of wire and you solder it in a loop, one side is positive and one side is negative. But if you add a, a helix twist and then you solder it, there's no polarity. Both sides are positive. So that's why it has the twist in it. That's amazing. So it's a, it's a great tool and they're relatively uh, inexpensive. And, you know, just like the orgone pyramid movement, they're sort of tensoring people. Everybody finds, you know, what they're interested in. So worldwide, there's a lot of people making these tools. And these are great for outside the house because, you know, it's kind of difficult to walk down the street. You're like walking down the street with the orgone pyramid, right? But you can walk around easily with a pendant. So absolutely, uh, I recommend, you know, a combination. Th you know, there are many energy tools out there, but I recommend for people that um, want to get better sleep, more calm, more balanced because of all the Wi-Fi, and smart meters and cell towers out there, a combination of properly made orgone pyramids. Uh, you can, I see some shungite here. John has some shungite. It's a balancing stone from Russia. And then tensor ring pendants, those are good tools. We bought these for, um, well, we brought them with us uh, for this American tour because he wanted to be, have some form of protection to absorb mm -hmm. the, the Wi-Fi and other noise that's around in the hotels. Mm -hmm. Now, people will be asking, is it like... Um, Oh, what's the term where they think it's, it's uh, they can see the, the article that's being tested and therefore they make their arms stronger. Like as a placebo? Placebo is the word I was looking for. Um, can, is there a way that we can prove there's not the placebo effect? Well, as long as the, the item being tested is in your energetic field, it's going to have an effect. So uh, I've done this before where you can have a person being tested and then somebody from the back put an item behind them and they won't know what it is and the test is still valid. So, wow. you know, uh, you know, I don't know how you could enter placebo into that if the testee doesn't see what the item is, you know, so that's, um, it, it's, it's a good way to, you know, test the energy tools. Other things people use are like pendants or sometimes they'll use a muscle test with the finger, but usually when I'm testing, uh, pyramids or pennants, you know, I'll just have a friend come and we'll test it out. You know, so. Right, so you can actually detect. You can go to a, a market, a fair, an open fair with these mm -hmm. handcrafts and you can, with somebody else's help, yeah. determine which are good for you. Right, and you usually, uh, I mean, one thing that has been kind of beat out of us in the modern culture is uh, trusting yourself. Because everybody actually has um, kind of a tingling or an inclination of like, I like this, I don't like that one. Uh, or with people, you know, oh, I had, a, I had an idea, you know, this person was good, I didn't, you know. But it's kind of like we're told not to trust our own instinct. So when you're out there, say, at a holistic fair, 
and you're looking at crystals, people say like, well, what, which one should I get? Basically, it's the one that draws your eye. And then once you start touching the different stones, if you feel like one strong and you really connect with it, that's the one to get. So, um, you know, and it can be fun. Basically, you know, the more experiences you have with different energy tools, you'll see that certain match with you better. You know, and even, even though these tensor rings, they basically from everybody I've worked with, they work for everybody. If you feel it doesn't match with you, that's fine. And you can find something else, you know. So um, I just encourage people, you know, try it out for yourself and then develop a sense of your own internal compass and, and what you like, what you gravitate to, you know? Right. If you didn't have anyone with you and you felt you didn't have the ability of just sensing which one catches your eye or you're feeling the energy from something, uh -huh. is there another way? Um, I mean, uh, one, one thing that I... Another way that I can feel if it's if a tool is strong or not is usually third eye is sensitive. So like a, a pendant like this, you know, like you sometimes just from picking it up, I can feel um, maybe like energy coming out, or it might feel like a usually shungite. If I so this black stone shungite, which is a EMF natural EMF balancer, usually shungite, I'll get a little buzz in my hand. But you can also third eye is usually sensitive, so I'll. I'll put it to my forehead and if anybody's ever had like hands-on healing uh, Reiki session and so forth there's kind of like a, a pressure that you feel in your head usually you'll feel it here um, but in general you know it's usually pretty easy to you know it you can even test it with somebody right there at the table if you're at a holistic fair you say hey come over here <laughs> you're gonna be my proxy and try it out it, it only takes a couple seconds so Right. Yeah. Well, we try not to do shameless plugs, so I mentioned your website, which is Masaki. It's Akaida.com. Akaida.com. It's A-K-A-I-D-A.com. Now, Masaki, can energy tools be used to block negative energy? For, for, for example, like this cell, cell phone. phone. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, in general, uh, say like the tensor ring, this doesn't really quote-unquote block the energy but what it does is it harmonizes it because the energy coming off of certain devices say like a, a cell phone it's very harsh energetically to the body so what uh, energy what an energy tool such as a orgone pyramid or a tensor ring does is it smooths the waves out so your body isn't hammered as much because basically uh say if you've been to a concert right if the sound system is very harsh right? You want to leave in like a few minutes because your ears are being hammered. If you looked at the waves, the sound waves coming out, they don't look like nice, clean sine waves. There's distortion, right? So what happens is, you know, actually there is a component, an etheric component of say like the cell phone, the cell tower waves, the Wi-Fi that has an incoherence to it. So energy tools, basically smooth it out so you're not being hammered as much so we can we can try uh, really? using a cell phone see how john responds with the muscle test <laughs> how to do that you, you show me what okay so let's try it again so basically uh, muscle testing you take the person's dominant arm right? right okay so this is with 
just to get a baseline, right? So I'm gonna push down a couple times. One, two, three, okay? Then let's put the cell phone here. All right. One, yeah, this dropped. <laughs> two, yeah. So basically because your, your frequency went down, so, you, so see the nerves sense the energy, the nerves are connected to the muscle, and that's basically a proxy to test uh, any energy tool. So if, if this was a pendant, I wouldn't wear it around my neck. But we can try holding, let's hold this cell phone here, and uh, I'll grab, I could use one, but I'll, since we have two, I'll put two pendants here. To me, yeah. it's feeling like you pushed pretty hard on there. With it's the, because uh, you got weaker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we have John holding a cell phone. He has two tensor ring pendants. So I'll push down one. Yep. Two. Three. Now let's take one pendant out. Okay. Oh, here we go. Just one pendant in the cell phone. Okay. All right. It's a little weaker, but the arm is still holding. And then we do, again, just the cell phone, no pendant. Okay. <laughs> Dropped. This is and then, crazy. Then John. And you are pushing down just the same amount. Same it's strength. the same amount. And then John not holding anything. This is his baseline. Yep. Yep. And if I put cell phone here. Yep. It doesn't hold. Yeah. It's like you're becoming twice as strong when I'm holding this to my chest. Well, that, that shows you how much you're being affected by the cell phone. So. Well, you know, I'm, my formal <laughs> training is being an engineer, but this is really amazing. It yeah. absolutely is amazing. Well, the, the thing is, is that uh, we're around these energies all day, but they're invisible to the naked eye. But if you could see the effect that these energies are having on people, it would be terrible. You would see if you were, you know aware of the full bandwidth and you'd be walking outside you look at a cell tower you just see like a black cloud around a cell tower you know so okay these are good for me um and i assume other people would need to be testing themselves to see if they're good for them for blocking the, the cell yeah tower. i mean in general i've never heard of a person having any problems with uh, tensor rings but again uh you know for yourself what is right Okay. So you can listen to us, but, you know, test it for yourself. Can I try one more test? Can I put this in my pocket mm -hmm. and then t put this phone on my chest? Sure. And see if it's any better. Sure. Why don't you put two in here? I'll put, okay. Put, put one on the one, one either side. Okay. It, it, might, it might not be as strong because the chest, okay. the chest is the center point of your energy, the solar plexus, but we'll try it. Okay. We, we haven't tried so this. So try it without a phone, yeah. I suppose. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty strong. Okay. It's it's weaker, but it's not. It didn't drop all the way like before. The reason I asked is yeah. that that means I can have my cell phone in my pocket and still keep wearing my pendant, and I'll get some small amount yeah. of protection. I mean, I I would just recommend to people that if you don't have to use your phone. Keep it on airplane mode. I know that's annoying, but you know, especially well for men or for women, when you put your phone on in your pocket, it's right by your reproductive organs. So, right, that's pretty. pretty especially for pregnant women, that's one thing that people are totally not thinking about nowadays. 
if you're pregnant, you should stay far away from uh, cell phones. If you've got Wi-Fi in the house, would a pendant protect you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I recommend a combination of using orgone pyramids and tensor ring pendants because no matter where you are, especially let's say you go to the office, you're out of the house, you go to the store, if you have a pendant on, I feel, personally, I feel naked if I don't have some kind of like energy pendant on me. Um, but the time when it's most critical is when you're sleeping because when you sleep is the time when your body recharges and repairs. So the deeper sleep you get, the more energy you have the next day. So when, if you are covered when you're sleeping, it really affects, you know, you're, you're, you're getting the optimum health. If you're getting hammered by Wi-Fi, then you're going to have, you're not getting the full sleep. So if you look on your laptop or computer and you go to the Wi-Fi dropdown, how many hotspots do you see? You're seeing like 20, 30 signals, right? Those are all overlapping signals that you're being hit with. But because it's invisible, you're not even thinking about it, you know? So I can put that under my pillow or can I, what's the best thing to do? Wear it? Uh, I usually just wear my, I, I only take my pen off when I'm showering. And, you know, there's, um, on my site, I only have pennants, but you could look around the net and there's people making all kinds of, uh, you know, spheres. They have, they call generate tensor ring generator. You could put on your bedstand. There's bigger hoops, you know, bigger size uh, tensor rings that you could put under your pillow. So, you know, and again, there's a whole universe, there's a whole range of energy tools out there but these are just some that people can look into. Right, thank you, Nasaki. <laughs> Hi, I'm John, and with me is my good friend, Masaki. Hi, Masaki. Hi. Uh, now, Masaki is going to talk to us about, about chi. Masaki, I know virtually nothing about chi. So can you please, can you please tell me what is chi? Well, uh, you know, I'm not a qigong practitioner, but there's a common concept in all cultures, you know, even with pyramids, such as we have a little orgone pyramid here. So, you know, in the West, Wilhelm Reich talked about it as so-called orgone energy. Uh, we've heard the word prana. Uh, even Polynesian cultures, they have this concept of energy, mana, right? It's all connecting to this idea that there's uh, a life force that runs through things. And in Chinese medicine, right, uh, when they're doing acupuncture, uh, when they're doing hands-on energy healing, right, or they're moving the energy around, Basically, a healthy person has a clean circulation or clean flow. Uh, if there's a blockage or stagnation, that area eventually can develop into a serious disease. If it was there for, say, like months and years, this is an imbalance which manifests itself as a disease. But, you know, uh, in Western medicine, they treat the symptoms at the end point, whereas a lot of traditional cultures, 
you start from the foundation, which would be, you know, what are you eating? Uh, what's the, your stress level, right? Your, the pace of your life and those kinds of things. So, um, and like in, say, like Western Hermetic system, they has a, have a concept of as above, so below, which is at everything starts at an energetic level or it starts even as a thought. And then eventually, if that energy persists long enough, it descends down into the 3D material world. And where can we find this? It's very similar to the concepts used in the spooky remote, right? We're sending to an energetic layer and then it, it, you feel it in your body or uh, the rifing frequencies. They're going to an uh, electromagnetic wave, which is, you know, scalar energy, which we never hear about in the traditional schooling, but I think a lot of the spooky, uh, you know, community knows that it does have an effect. So is chi like a, a river that flows through your body? Uh, well, it's an energy and, you know, it could be, it could be blocked or you could have a clean flow, but what we want to see is a, is a clean circulation. What happens if there is a blockage? Well, if you have a block, and this is very interesting. So uh, when you start dealing with energy work and, um, you know, healing work, you, you know, specifically from an energetic perspective, many times the blockage will manifest at a point connected to some activity because the so-called the chakra points or the energy points, each point relates to a different aspect of the body. So as an example, let's say that somebody has a lot of throat problems. Well, you find out that not only do they have throat problems, but throughout their life, they've had problems voicing because of family upbringing and so forth. So that, that's an energetic blockage that eventually manifests as a physical problem at the throat chakra, which, you know, some people may doubt, but actually each energetic point in the body relates to different activities, different energies. An another example would be, uh, you know, a lot of people, I would say one of the most common uh, points where people have problems is second chakra. So it's gut, right? Uh, for women, it'd be maybe like the womb. It's right below the belly button because that's the emotional brain. So uh, a lot of us that have emotional imbalance or you know something in your life path, uh, there was some kind of trauma or something, that energy can be stuck at that point. And so you can have a lot of gut problems. And of course, because of the GMOs, the pesticides, that doesn't help, but you're already starting from a weak gut. So then anything else after that is gonna you know, knock you off balance. So uh, that's just an example of how um, you know, something, somebody's habits is related to their energy, which can you know, result in a blockage, a so-called you know, blockage of chi, and so forth, that if you let it go for months, years, and so on, it just manifests as a physical disease that you go to the Western hospital, 
and they're treating the endpoint, but it would have been much easier to catch as a, you know, as a habit or energetic blockage before you really saw it as something serious. This is what I was going to ask you. If you do have a blockage, mm -hmm. what do you do? Well, I, I would say that, you know, first is self-knowledge because a lot of us were not even aware. You know, I know for myself, I didn't get into this because everything was happy, fine and okay because I have a lot, you know, I'm still not perfect, but I became aware that, uh, you know, I had gut problems and then I was taking acupuncture for years and I, it started to level off because, you know, it did help. It helped a lot. But then I was getting diminishing returns. And then I realized, oh, it's not a purely physical problem. It's an emotional problem. Right. Right. So mm -hmm. then, then you have to, so you can push from two directions. You can push the physical treatment, but then, you know, so-called emotional or energetically, you start clearing out that stuff. And then uh, I think maybe a combination of the two is probably very powerful. I mean, the same thing, uh, anybody that is like, say, a masseuse or you, you, if you're physically working on a person, you're physically working on somebody's points, energy points, that can actually shift a person. But at the same time, somebody that's doesn't, you don't, not even touching the person, they're doing hands-on healing, just working for the energy, you're pushing from the other side. So both things are legitimate, but you know, basically what's happening is they're shifting the person, you know? So um, I would say just self-knowledge, start to get in touch and be aware that you actually, you know, you do have these energies within you and that you ultimately are the person in charge of deciding which path your life takes, you know? Um, I would say that, you know, the doctors, herbalists, uh, Reiki practitioners, Qigong and so forth, they are specialists and, you know, you should go to them, but then also be aware that um, you have a say over your own body as well, you know? If someone has a disease that's caused from a blockage in their chi, mm -hmm. in freeing up the chi so I can flow again, would that quite often reverse the condition? Uh, yeah, it can, you know, and, and also uh, the, it's based on the habits. So if you revert back to your old habits, you'll revert back to the condition. So, um, uh, you know, and some people, they just are naturally have problems in certain regions of the body. This is known like astrologically certain signs because these are basically archetypes or types there's different personality types we fall into different categories so and i'm sure like uh, chinese system chinese zodiac and so forth you know it's all related to five elements and they can tell you oh you relate to certain uh elements you know so i know for myself being a scorpio scorpio has to has a lot of gut problems because you know, I would I would advise Scorpio people do a cleanse at least once a year. That's probably for everybody, but because Scorpio is like all under underworld, it's almost like the gutter. So we <laughs> accumulate a lot of crap. So it's it's very good to clean out. You know, like Capricorn bones, Aries head. So uh, based on your own energy, 
you will tend to have effects in uh, various areas. So that's another, that's an esoteric way to look at where, you know, problems could manifest. So uh, for what you're saying, depending on the, the, the date and time that a person's born and location sure. can have an effect in their health throughout their life. In general, in, in general, you know, uh, you know, like Pisces feet. I was talking to a friend the other day and I was just interested because I knew she was a Pisces. And I said, have you ever had any foot problems? And she broke her foot and it's never set right. And she oh. said she's always had pains in her foot. So maybe I was just lucky, <laughs> but <laughs> this is just known that in general, uh, based on the, you know, the eso your esoteric category, it can actually relate to certain physical manifestations. But it's heartening that you can do something about it. If you know that you have a weakness, then, then you have to really doubly pay attention to it. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Masaki, for making us all a little bit wiser and now teaching us a bit about Chi. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. I'm John White. As part of the Spooky World Tour, we're now in Atlanta, Florida. Now with us today, we've got Jeff Kazor. Amongst many things that he's good at, he's also an expert on gems and crystals. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, um, I was wondering if you could just explain to us what different crystals do. We had a talk sure. last night and you are saying this crystal does this and this crystal does that. And I thought it, was a, it would be a good idea if our viewers also gained some of your knowledge. So, this is what I've got in my hand now. What is this? This is just a uh, quartz crystal that's been shaped to look like an egg. So it doesn't naturally form this shape. But um, one, it's aesthetically pleasing. And uh, in a way, uh, you can use it to direct energy using the top area of the egg to focus energy and the base to draw energy away. Uh, the beautiful thing about crystals is that in, in standard just everyday physics, crystals are known to transmute energy. So you've used them in radios in that fashion to tune frequencies in. Uh, you can squeeze a crystal and they'll generate electricity. Uh, there's all kinds of things that we know about it, but the area of metaphysics is kind of probably the area that's most interesting but least understood. Uh, each crystal uh, has different effects on your body, and I believe it works because it's transmuting the auric energy that your body produces. So if you have a crystal that's in your field presence as the energy of your body goes through it it mm. transforms and so every crystal um, like I said has a different effect what's really intriguing is that a lot of people have the same experiences which lends to the knowledge base of how the crystals affect you mm. so quartz is uh, predominantly uh, used for manifestation and, and intent because it's one of the most readily programmable crystals there's been a lot of research done by a lot of people with uh, shapes and designs and intent and different carvings and how many. There's a whole science behind it. Uh, when it forms naturally, you can look at the amount of faces that are on the top and it will tell you what kind of properties. There's just so much detail. I don't even know if I can where to go and start it with all of this. But um, each each crystal um, that you can find has a lot of information on the internet and the internet's a good source. But it, I don't always trust all the different sources on the internet so what I find is if you work with a crystal take the time to experience it first and then after you've had some experience with it then go out and take a look and you'll find 
that you'll start to find information that resonates with your experience and then you'll gain trust in the site that you're using to research rather than just trusting the site at face value. Right. Um, the only site that I found to be very good at the details that I recommend to people if they want a place to start is Healing Crystals for You. I, I can't remember the name of the lady that runs it, but she gets my top honors for collecting the information and putting together a beautiful site. Now, most people think of crystals as sharp edges. Correct. And this has been rounded. So would this reduce the effect of the quartz? It doesn't re reduce the effect of the because uh, remember a crystal is is the stacking of microcrystalline structures so mm. it's an orderly arrangement of of an element and it, it manifests itself as a crystal with different properties like this crystal here is a little more natural now this is a blue topaz and it doesn't look that blue because it's a natural blue topaz crystal you'd be surprised to find that most jewelry that's blue topaz has been uh, irradiated to make the color deeper and um, they do that with a lot of crystals for jewelry, unfortunately. But the the shape here is still pretty natural. It's not even been polished. It's it's still quite uh, rough. And these are the result of the way the crystalline structure stacks. So different crystals have different uh, shapes. And so in some cases, one particular material might form as cubes, but it can also form as a rhombus. Um, it really depends on what it looks like at the micro microscopic level. Right. Now, I don't know much about crystals, Jeff, I've got to admit. When I see these two side by side, they both look clear. But I guess on the atomic level, they must be quite different. Right, right. This is mostly silicon dioxide. Yes. And this uh, topaz, I forget the chemical formula for it off the top of my head. But it's, uh, it's not even related. And as a matter of fact, the topaz is harder than the, the quartz. And the quartz uh, being a... a Pure silicon dioxide compared to like window glass is actually going to be harder than window glass. That's but the topaz would, would, is I think second to diamonds in terms of hardness. Although diamonds are way harder than topaz, uh, this ranks as a 9 on the scale and diamonds a 10. You've mentioned radiation. If a crystal was radiated to make it look beautiful, more appealing to consumers, would that affect the characteristics? Yes, it can. And I'll give you a good example, like the quartz here that we have. Uh, this is clear quartz, but if you are familiar with amethyst, amethyst is actually um, quartz that's been imbued with one of two minerals generally. It's either lithium or I think it was magnesium. I have to check again on sure. that. But uh, the, the, the inclusion of an additional mineral is what gives it the color. But if you irradiate that naturally, it will turn yellow, and that's called citron. Now, if you take regular amethyst and put it in your microwave or your oven and you bake it hot enough, I don't know about microwave, but today's technology, sure. um, you can actually turn amethyst into citron, but it will look burnt. It'll look, you know, the, what we call processed citron, it looks really dark and kind of a burnt orange yellow. It doesn't have the same kind of glimmer as natural radiation, but the citron that you find in the world that's naturally irradiated did so for a very long period of time in a very ah. special place. And uh, so... You can also, with certain radiation, turn these quartz into uh, smoky quartz, which it actually looks burnt black. It, it turns it dark and it, it changes the, the properties um, and how it affects your, your, your fields and the kind of experiences you have with it. Okay, so how many different types of crystals are there? Are there like oh, hundreds well, or thousands? I'd say there are thousands. Wow. Um, you know, generally speaking, there, there are the, probably like the main hundred that most people know about. Yes. And then after that, you've got um, 
lots of different varieties that even go so far as they'll they'll give it a special name because of the locations that for marketing terms like you got Merlinite, which is like sounds mystical, and you've got um, um, uh, Sujulite is the one I'm thinking about. It was named after the uh, doctor that discovered it. Yes. Um, you got Shungi, which is only found in Russia, uh, and that's kind of an isolated place, but a lot of minerals are found all over the world. Why is Shungi only in Russia? Because that's quite a, a big one. And... I, if they've ever discovered uh, a source of it outside of Russia, I'm not sure, but it, it happens to be just, it, maybe it was a meteorite. I can't say, I don't okay. know the history, but let's just say for it, make believe that a, a meteorite came in and caused the conditions and it formed so long ago and that hasn't been proved, but there's, you have a deposit of Shungi that's sitting there. Uh, and they say that the waters that run near it are the most clean waters in the world. Because Shungite has the only known natural occurring uh, fullerenes that we know of, you know, carbon nanotubes that yes. we've been working with. Yes. That's yes. found in Shungite wow. naturally, and that seems to act like a filter on the water, taking out energies. Because Shungite's the only crystal that conducts electricity I know of. You put a voltmeter to it. Yes, yes. And if it lights up uh, with a reading. Okay, so most crystals do not conduct electricity, is that, that right? That's correct. But if you compress them, they'll create they electricity. They create electricity. Isn't it amazing? Piezoelectric. And yes. I think some might even, um, some crystal formations actually create color, like yes. DMT uh, in your brain. And the yes. pineal gland is a crystal when it solidifies, and if you smash it, it creates color. Right. That's amazing. So tell us, um, tell us please, what's, what other interesting crystals are there? Crystals that keep, people can buy. Are there crystals, for example, for for reflecting bad emotions or protecting itself against um, negative Yeah, there's thoughts. a group of uh, protective crystals. Matter of fact, I, I created a list on the user forum a while ago that lists all the ones that have protection against negative um, energies. Yes. And uh, among them are uh, fire agate and you've got uh, your standard uh, black tourmaline which is a really popular uh, crystal because it's also a great grounder. It's a very uh, powerful grounding. Yes. Uh, you could use um, uh, really drawing a blank here. <laughs> are there crystals which are good for sleep? Sleep crystals. Maybe ones that calm you down? Well, I know that yellow jasper is uh, really good for sleeping because it supposedly protects your astral spirit if you go on a journey. It helps make sure you get back home. Calming, you have uh, unakite, which is uh, good for sleep. And okay. it's a mixture of two different elements. It's actually a green stone with flecks of red in it. I can't remember all the sure. parts that make up off the top of my head, but there's quite a few good sleeping crystals. Jeff, you're an expert on crystals. Do you carry crystals with you? I do. Uh, usually I have uh, anywhere from 20 to 60 crystals. Not, not everybody can work with that many, but uh, when you work with them enough and you figure out what combinations you can mix, um, I say go for it and see. But uh, most people I would say stick to maybe seven or less at a time. But uh, on this trip, I didn't bring them with me because uh, I didn't want to have to deal with security on the airplanes. Yes, but yes. I do have a few with me. The two that you see here, the topaz yes. and the, the quartz. Yes. Uh, and then I also have my, my necklace. Uh, that has uh, three that I usually are always wearing. Um, one in the middle here is turquoise, and this was actually a gift from my wife, so that, that right there just means that I'm wearing this one all the time. Yes. Matter of fact, this chain was from her too. Uh, yes. 
but uh, turquoise is um, I don't remember all the details of turquoise but it's really good indicator of your health it says that they will change color slightly depending on on your health and when you you're not supposed to buy turquoise for yourself you're only supposed to be given it as a gift okay and that goes more to the legends and the myths sure but um, once you get it and you keep it in your auric field it will uh, change color and I, I got a test that I have seen it change color and a lot of people will maybe attest that to chemicals in the water okay. but if you think about it chemicals in the water would directly affect your health and so if you mm. keep an eye on the color you can see how your health's doing right but uh the other two um one these are all green and uh, it sits around my solar plexus but it's close to the heart chakra and green crystals are associated with the heart chakra and uh, this one is moldavite which is um, a very high energy crystal uh, i picked it up to raise my vibrations and it was so intense that i actually had a headache for three days wow working with it but it's um it's not for the, the, the initiate to crystals, but it is a graduation point if you can tolerate the energies. It is so potent that it's supposed to drive away negative energies just in its presence. Yes. Um, and then Prenite was one of those crystals that I didn't even know existed. It was all over the mineral and rock store that I go to. But when it was ready for me to work with it, it made itself apparent in this particular piece here. And, I was so enamored by the response I had with it the first three days that I was in the rock store going, you got more? And he's like, it's all over the place. And then all of a sudden it just appeared out of nowhere. I was seeing it everywhere. But it's, um, if I recall, I don't remember all the details behind it again, but it, it works on the emotional level and energetic level, and it will just uplift you and, and give you a lot of energy when you're ready to work with it. I noticed it's got a ring around that. Did you place it inside? No, I got lucky. Um, most of the crystals I buy are raw and uh, or, or polished to some extent or, mm. or in between states. Uh, but they also have an area where locals take and make jewelry out of them. Okay. And uh, for the type that I want to wear on my neck, I usually shop out of that case. And these are all wrapped in silver. Um, so I've got the benefits of silver too. <laughs> great, great. Now I couldn't help but notice inside here I can see some bubbles. Are they a good thing if it's got a pattern inside the crystal? Does it have Well, that, any... that shows character and uh, of its growth. Now, since I can't see what the original crystal source looked like, I can't really tell you how that came to be. Yes. But um, a lot of times, uh, crystals will grow like, uh, you've ever made the experiment where you made rock candy? You yes. Know, crystals grow from uh, a starting point and then they layer on. Mm -hmm. And so as it's growing over time, something might disturb it, which will cause different formations to happen. The most uh, beautiful crystals have a lot of character in it. And they're called working crystals when they're really full of different patterns. But when you look for a crystal the first time, you might go for like the really pure, clear one that looks yes. really pretty. And, yes. and a lot of times you will find out later that it was polished and shaped that way. Yes. And, and you can tell with, a, with the points, if you run your finger over it, like testing the sharpness of a knife, um, once you felt a natural edge versus a polished edge, you, you'll tell the difference. The, the natural edge will feel sharper. Yes. So this one must be polished because I can feel it's a little bit rounded. Yeah, at the same time, though, if you look, it's, it's the, um, the surfaces are etched. Yes. So I, that, that gives me indication that it, that it wasn't polished. Okay. Um, it just it doesn't form as, as solid of a barrier as quartz does. And maybe it was rusting up, it was not fully grown, it's still rough on the top. Okay. 
I also noticed there's, a, there's an awful lot of activity in there. Right. A lot of activity. It's almost like it's got a character. Yeah, it's there, a lot there, of characters. There wouldn't, there wouldn't be another crystal that's like this one anywhere. So that's quite, quite, um, quite interesting. And some, some crystals, when they're growing, when they have those fractured lines, that could be a stacking thing. So if you've ever taken like a two plexi boards yes. and put little beads in there, uh, you'll notice that when you, when you shake it up and let it fall and stack, that they don't always arrange perfectly ordered. There'll be That's points true. where there's gaps because mm. it has to find how to stack. The same thing happens with crystals when you have certain shapes stacking, like rhombuses, they'll, they might stack orderly and make a giant rhombus where they might flip on the side and then throw the whole thing off and then you'll get a fracture line that grows in there. Yes. And that's how some of those form. Wow. And tremendous heat, tremendous pressures underneath the earth, right, for the crystals. It's really amazing. Crystals tell a story, you know, like the ones we were talking about that are irradiated. Yeah. Uh, you know, they captured the essence of time. Yes. In, and in you're talking structure. about the natural radiation. Natural radiation. Yes. And so it's a it's a geological record, and it, it's been uh, recorded in the crystal, and that, that gives it history too. When they radiated artificially, would the stones retain any of that radiation? In your opinion, would it be dangerous or not so good to use? I've seen on the evidence that they retain the radiation. Uh, I would think there would be a lot of jewelry companies that were being sued if that was the case. Okay. Uh, but still, shop wisely and do your own validating. Best way is always find out it with a radioactive a Geiger counter. Yes. So some crystals are naturally radioactive. Wow. And some are, are actually naturally poisonous. Um, like uh, there's a galenium, I think it is, is a very pretty crystalline metal structure, but it's mm. toxic. Uh, you'll be surprised how many crystals are made out of asbestos when you boil down the chemical formula. Yes. So you've got as uh, copper-based uh, minerals like yes. your malachite. Um, the dust can be poisonous to the body, so you okay. have to you really have to do your research to know how to handle the crystals Okay, some are salt based and you don't want to ingest it um, But generally speaking when they're when they're locked up as a crystalline structure, they're safe There's just a couple exceptions like mercury mercury is really really toxic, but it, when yes. it's locked up in um, I forget the name of the crystal, but it's red it's the primary source for mercury, actually. I can't remember the name of it, but... Um, and they use that crystal to produce mercury. Right, they pull the mercury out of it, but when it's in that and it's locked up, usually with calcite, you can handle it and not get okay. get infected with uh, mercury poisoning. Okay. But, you know, the Indians actually take the red crystal and they crush it to make the color for the... Yes. The, uh, I forget the name of the practice, but um, it, that, you know... Does that release the mercury? It could release mercury, and I believe in modern days they no longer follow that practice. But okay. that I, I have to double check that. But I was surprised that a lot of people didn't know if they use the traditional methods that they're actually putting mercury on their forehead. Right. How do people know if a crystal is perfectly clear that it's not glass? How can they be sure that what they have is a genuine crystal? That's a very great question. Um, you'd probably have to look at it at, with a jeweler's loop to, to look at the microcrystalline structure. Yes. Um, but another way is if you take uh, if you take a crystal that is made out of glass to glass and you try to scratch it, it won't scratch. But if you take a real quartz crystal to glass, it'll scratch it. Okay. Because because yeah. it's actually harder than than glass. Okay. Because of the the purity of it. Okay. Well, I've got a shungite pendant that I'm not wearing today. I've got, I've got one here to show. Oh, awesome. 
that uh, so this would have come from Russia. So it's got a history. It's got a story behind it. Big and, history. Um, Great yeah. chemical formula. And um, we're we're told that it absorbs negative negative energy around. It does and it transmutes and it, it seems to be able to uh, cleanse water. You know, I've tried it a few times. Actually, I put some shungite in water and let yes. it sit for a day, and it actually oxygenated. Um, my my question is, if we wear this over a period of time, it's, if it's absorbing all the nasty things, isn't it going to come to, come to a point where it can't absorb anymore? That it, I don't know if it comes to a point where it can't absorb anymore, but it does get full. Uh, it does stop, just like anything else, it needs refreshing. Yes. So all crystals need a, a period of cleansing and refreshing. There are a variety of different methods that you can use. Uh, I mean, you just do an internet search, you'll get 20 different methods. And I don't consider all of them necessarily safe, but some practices is putting them under the moonlight, some would put them in the daylight, but some crystals are sensitive to daylight, they'll fade over time. Um, what I like to do is I found uh, shungite, I mean, not shungite, uh, selenite, which is a uh, crystal that's beautiful. It's got optical fiber optic capabilities because of the way the crystalline structure lines up. Yes. And it's, it's based out of salt is um, one crystal that doesn't require cleansing and recharging because it naturally cleanses itself, but it extends that property to crystals. So if you put a crystal next to it for 15 minutes, it will not only cleanse the crystal and recharge it, but it, I mean, cleanse it, but it will recharge it as well. Gosh. So it kind of acts like a battery. Yes. Now, now carnelian is one that you can use to cleanse crystals, but it doesn't recharge them. And so you have to recharge your crystals and the carnelian over time. Yes. But carnelian is a good way you can cleanse the crystal. You can also hold it underneath running water, uh, and running water will cleanse the crystal. Not recharge it, but cleanse it. Okay. It draws off all the negativity. Okay. Uh, and but not all crystals are safe for water. So you have to you kind of have to choose your method. You can bury it in rice, bury it in the ground. Yes. But it is. You do need to you need to treat them treat them with respect and take care of them and they'll take care of you. If I didn't have any crystals, what would you recommend as a general beginner's crystal just to carry around for everyday use? As a starting crystal, I would say black tourmaline. Black tourmaline. Yeah, because it, the black tourmaline will, will start working on the root chakra yes. and it also works as a grounder, so okay. it'll help stabilize you mm. um, energetically, maybe even emotionally. Um, and then uh, from there, I would maybe add uh, I can go to the other extreme, go with an amethyst. Everybody loves amethyst. It's got a beautiful color, and uh, you kind of, if you're looking at it from a chakra point of view, you're working on both ends. Um, and then citrine is uh, another one that a lot of people like to go to. And they're very okay. common and easy to find. Yes, yes. Okay. Now, Jeff, I've got an opal here. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Sure, sure. Opals are uh, really cool because they're predominantly water. Wow, um, what happens is uh, like a mineral will form and then as the water takes and washes it out, it brings in silica and uh, other minerals and it, it, if I remember the process correctly, I'm uh, sorry if I get this wrong, but it replaces the mineral with itself and then you get an opal out of it. And that's why you'll find opals kind of imbued in other minerals. Yes. And uh, there's two types of opals. There's common opal, which is not translucent and pretty, and, mm -hmm. but they're, they're pretty in their own right, don't get me wrong, but they're opaque. And then there's the kind that have... Um, translucency which is like this one here yes and uh, when it has lots of sparkle they, they call it a fire opal wow. typically you'll see reds and that associates with fire but not always yes this one's got blue and green in it and it's it's an actually quite a beautiful piece but I, I am not 
able to identify locality on opals because sure. I don't work sure. with them that often. Mm. But it, uh, and the other thing with opals too is that depending on where it comes from, they all carry different properties. So you have Peruvian opals that are really known uh, as an opal source, and then you have Oahe uh, opals that come from Oregon. Yes. And uh, there, there's just so many different kinds of opals. And that's why it's, you know, really sought after because each, each one's, there's Boulder opal. That's it's all. I mean, they're, it's like you know they, they're known for the locality, and then that, that carries the energetics with it. Okay. Is there any special care that needs to be taken with opals? Yeah, I, I would um, occasionally wipe it down with some moisture, since it is predominantly uh, water. If you let it dehydrate too far, it could crack. Now, I don't know if that requires you. To, you don't have to soak it in water or anything like that. But you know, occasionally your standard cleaning practices probably is enough to keep it moist. Um, but if you don't think you've given it enough water, it won't hurt to just take and put a paper towel with moisture on it for 15 minutes and then pull okay. it off and let it, let it, you know, thirst, get its thirst yes. taken care of. Is it a very hard stone? It is not that hard, actually. It's, it's hard enough to be used as jewelry, but it's, it's, uh, I'd have to look up its moss index again. I think it's, it's, you know, harder than your fingernails, but it's... Okay. If you were to put it up against uh, quartz or something like that and let it rub, it would it would go first. Okay. Oh, thank you, Jeff. It's a beautiful piece. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jeff. Oh, no problem. Thank you. That was great. <laughs> Thanks, John.